0: Advent is a very special time. Um, you probably know this, but in the church year, we were wearing green uh, two weeks ago. Last last week we were white for Christ the King, but green is called the ordinary time, and they have these uh, these uh, posters that are a circle uh, and all the dates of the year in this circle, and the vast majority is ordinary time, green. But there's two seasons, and they're like um, I call them like a coin, a head and tails, because they're two seasons within one season there's advent which leads to christmas this is special time advent and christmas and then there's lent and easter uh those two that form one seasonal time and then all the rest is ordinary time so that's why we switched to purple and the the most uh unaware person would come into church this week and say oh my god it's all purple now and and that's what the church wants you to do Say, oh my God, it's all purple or violet, whatever. And um, the church wants you to stop and to say, wow, what does this mean and what should I do? I, I believe we almost always come to the point where we say, what should I do? Because, because if we just keep things in our head and heart and don't land ever, we don't um, respond much. But responding is, what, what do I do because it's Advent? So I want to propose a couple things today. I'd like to help you and me make this the best Advent ever. And and it is a unique one because we're in this pandemic year. None of us have ever experienced this. And just the fact that we have survived nine or ten months of the pandemic, I think, is extraordinary. Give ourselves a hand, my God, because, you know, thousands have not. Thousands and thousands even just in our county. So, um, what do we do? What is it about? Um, There are kind of like competing or opposite messages. you know, like the sign of Pisces is two fish going different ways. This is is like a Pisces time advent because uh, what little children, little, little children get out of this time of year is, doesn't have much to do with purple or candles, it has to do with one person, Santa Claus, and he does come down the chimney. He exists. He exists. He comes down the chimney and leaves gifts for the kids. Am I right? Okay, sure. We know that. We believe that. Uh, so if there's any little kids out there listening, you, you better watch out. You better not shout. But in believing this about Santa Claus, this becomes very material, very material, what do we tell the kids on Christmas Eve? You better go to bed and go to sleep so Santa Claus can come. It's not be awake, be alert, it's go to sleep. Get to bed and close those eyes. But what we say to the church and to the Christian world is be alert, be awake. What we do and say at Christmas time is buy, 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 get, 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 wrap, 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 collect, collect, collect. It's all about getting a whole bunch of stuff. But to the Christian world in Advent, we say empty yourself. Let go. Give it away. Open up. Don't hold on. Wait. Be alert. Let it come to you. So just to acknowledge that there's two competing kind of things going on, and I know we know that, how can we... Take this spiritual side and open it up and let it become something powerful. Um, how many people here do, not know what it is, but do, actually do Lexio Divina on a regular basis? Ah, one hand over there, okay. Uh, our Dominican brothers and sisters, I think, were the ones who gave this to the church. Lexio Divina... Uh, I'm not good at Latin, but I believe it's uh, divine reading. Divine reading. It's reading the scriptures and, and getting, getting in touch with the divine message. Now, just because um, I'd like to give credit to Alexa and to uh, Siri, I, I checked this morning and I said, come on, give me a, a definition or the steps, I said, of Lectio Divina. And let me see what... Um oh, God. I'll try it again. Hey, Siri. Give me the steps, the four steps of Lexio Divina. Okay. I found this on the web. For give me the steps for steps of Lexio Divina. Yes, you can. Be- you're beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> and um, the four steps are I believe it's read, meditate, pray, contemplate. I think that's it. Let me see right here. I just want to get it right. I don't want to mislead anybody here. Read meditate yes i'm right pray all right so i really propose to you that you consider doing lectio divina at least once a week twice a week every day if you can if i had to suggest you what to read i would say the gospel cuz we're a gospel people that's that's the focus of our lives and uh, not that the old testament isn't worthwhile of course it is and not that the uh, other christian writings of letters of paul they're powerful they're wonderful but but It's a lot of word. However, I'm going to go exactly against my advice this morning. Because in Lectio Divina, it's about reading uh, maybe four times. And people do it in groups. And the first time, they just read the word and see what what hits them, what sticks, what jumps out at them. And then uh, they share that if they're in a group. They talk about what, what hit them. So I'm going to just not do the whole process here, but I want to just say a couple things that hit me as I listened to this word today. I was kind of grabbed by this, we become an unclean people. All our good deeds are like polluted rags. Well, that's beautiful. <laughs> All of our good deeds are like polluted rags. But the one phrase I liked so much, and it was a reflection on God, no ear has ever heard, no eye has ever seen any God but you doing such deeds for those who wait for him or her. That's not a word, but that's a whole phrase, but that's an image that grabs me. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what, what great deeds you do for us, God. And in Lexio Divina, if you took that phrase and just shared that this really had an impact on me, and then, after discussing, sharing that, you read it a second time. You could do it with yourself and read it a second time and, and really take time to meditate on that. What are some of the good deeds, Lord, that you do for me? You know, is there anyone or anything or any reality out there greater than you, really? And read it a, a third time and, and reflecting on that, just pray it. Just, God, thank you so much for all the good deeds. And I want to appreciate them and I want to celebrate them. I want to use those gifts and good deeds that you've done to and for me to really um, open up its power and the grace in my life. And then finally reading it a fourth time, um, just if you can, just to be still with it and to see if anything yet more comes and jumps at you. Now, this is a process that maybe takes a half hour or, or you know, if you do it with a group of people, Um, and they choose different phrases or words whatever. Now, I I was struck also in this um, responsorial psalm, and one of the gifts that the responsorial psalm gives to us is not just the verses of the psalm itself, but often the response, because uh, the response, uh, we keep reading it or singing it again and again, and it kind of drives itself. It's kind of like a little Lectio Divina on its own. But this one... And it only comes up a few times in the year this phrase, Lord, make us turn to you. What an interesting thing to say to God. Make us turn to you. So I'm over here and I'm saying, God, make us turn to you. And then we say this, and let us see your face, and we shall be saved. Now, this is an interesting passage from the Old Testament because most people would say, Lord, if we see your face, we'll die. You're too much but make us turn to you and allow us please lord let us see your face let us see your face in this second reading what uh, paul nobody writes sentences longer than paul he goes on and on and on he's the kind of person i think that if he were alive today if i saw my phone uh, ring and i looked at it said paul i said oh god i don't have time for him right now he's too long he's too wordy but here he is, and, and after he does his little greeting, he says, I give thanks to my God always on your account for the grace of God bestowed on you in Christ Jesus, that in him you were enriched in every way with all discourse and all knowledge, as the testimony to Christ was confirmed among you, so that you're not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. A little repetitive, but he certainly says... You are blessed in every possible way with Christ. You are blessed and gifted and blessed and gifted. If you read that and it strikes you and then you meditate on it and say, well, that's true, and you start to name the gifts and the blessings, then something extraordinary happens. And if you read it again and then pray it in gratitude, you know, opening yourself in prayer deeper and deeper and deeper, um, and, and, and in a way, committing or promising or saying, Lord, help me. I, I want to appreciate these gifts and live them. And then perhaps just kind of quietly contemplate them. But the gospel comes to us and it tells us this strong message of Advent. Not go to bed so Santa can come. It's wake up. Be alert. Be on the watch. Stand at the gate and be waiting. Don't you go to sleep. Be alert, wake up. If I said there was an energy to Advent, this is the energy, that we would wake up and be alert. Now, uh, Advent uh, creates its own problem for us because it's three different kinds of ways of looking at being alert and waking up and getting ready for Christ. In the Old Testament, it's basically focused toward the coming of the Messiah. I'd say the birth of Christ at Christmas. That's what we celebrate on Christmas Day, And what we wait for for four weeks. The coming for Christ at Christmas. But that's a past event 2,000 years ago. It's a remembering, really. It's like a birthday, a remembering. But then we also are given, and it's really the strongest message. It's really the message of the gospel. Be alert. Christ is coming again. He will come in his second coming at the end of time. And you better be ready. You don't want to miss this. You don't want to not be open so that its power and grace hits you and gifts you and and fills you with grace. But that, you know, the second coming, again, it's the least interesting thing to me in our faith. I, I just can't rev up about it. You know, it hasn't come in 2,000 years. Who knows when it'll come? I just can't get excited about it. And besides, Jesus says, not even he knows, only his heavenly father. So quit wasting time worrying or thinking about it. But be alert, be ready. Because that place of being alert and ready is is what I would call this grace-filled place where at any moment we can recognize Christ in our lives. And that's what Paul asks us to, to consider how blessed and gifted we are. Now I ask you, what are you doing here this morning? Why'd you come? Really, you know, a lot of people haven't been here and Some of it, it's it's because of the pandemic. And others will say, oh, wow, thank God for the pandemic. I don't have to go to church, (laughs) maybe. But here you are. Why? What is it you're looking for? What is it you want? What does it mean to have Christ more alive in your heart, in your lives? What does it mean to share Christ with one another? Be alert. Be awake. Because at this very moment, this very minute, this hour that we have together, we say something is going to happen. It is. Something has already happened to perhaps everybody in this word of God. Maybe there was one word that struck you. Maybe there was one phrase or one idea. Or maybe collectively you said, oh my God, yes, it's Advent again and I'm so excited because this is such a, a powerful and fresh time of year. you here how do you expect to meet christ we will meet christ in in the in the eucharist and this is such a dynamic thing the scriptures speak of in the acts of the apostles the breaking of the bread that people came together to break the bread so they could say in that like the emmaus story here in the breaking of the bread we've come to know christ and then we do this audacious thing we eat it we don't do it now i get to drink it but you don't right now but we eat and drink of the lord let him in Talk about being alert. It's like when you see a little baby for the first time, and you say, oh, sis, you got such a beautiful baby. Oh, I could just eat you. And that's what we do with Jesus. We just eat him. Take him in as food, as nourishment. But if we stop and pray and meditate that, contemplate that, what did I just do? I ate the Lord. I took his word and and the presence of Christ into me so that I could be filled with the Christ. And maybe contemplating that finally moves us into another form of the to-do action. Because if we take the word, eat it, consume it, and let it be our food, if we take the Christ, eat it, consume it, and let it be our spiritual food, what should that do to us? I have high blood pressure. Anybody have high blood pressure? Okay, so we're always watching what we do. But when I go to the store sometimes, I see that little refrigerator right there by the checkout stand, and it has things like bullet and, and uh, the bomb or whatever. There, there's these drinks you're supposed to eat, and they're supposed to do something to you. I, I've never touched one because I think, oh, God, that, my heart doesn't need that. <laughs> I'd, I have enough caffeine with my morning coffee. I don't need the, the bullet or the bomb or whatever they're called. But what if I, I assume that, does anybody use those? Does it give you energy? Does it do something to you? I, I suppose it does. That's what they say. That's what this is supposed to do. This is supposed to give us energy and grace and love and life and truth. Show us the way. Fill us. Strengthen us. Open us. Heal us. And Advent is, is such a focused time. It's a time where we get to say, that's what I want. I want Christ more in my life. Because theoretically, and Lexio Divina is one good way to do it, just reading the Word, just even once a day reading the Word, what that should do to us is make us so Christ-focused that when we do celebrate the past event of Christmas, 2,000 years ago on Christmas Day, when we do think about just in a contemplative way to say, God, you know, one day you will come back for us all. Should it be during my lifetime, I do want to be awake and alert, not afraid, but ready to be taken up into your glory. But you know, Lord, since one is 2,000 years past and the other one may be 2,000 years into the future, I know what I've really got is this moment. And I want to meet you, Christ. I want you to meet me. And I really want you in my life. And if that happens, God, imagine our families. Imagine our personal journey. Imagine our world. If that's what really all Christians and what all Catholics really did during this Advent, they were awake, they were alert. And they met Christ in their life.